Sadama Meditation Society, Virginia, Full Retreat 2016, the 9th day December 8th, Interview English Myanmar Group. I have two questions. Um, yesterday, I um, was speaking with Saida about um, uh, working with a difficult memory situation from the past. <clears throat> and I understood the first part of the uh, instruction. The second part, I'm not so sure I um, recalled correctly, and I want to make sure I understand. To when the mindfulness is strong, when the mind is strong and there's stability after doing the first part, um, the suggestion to call up the situation or the memory and work further with it at that point. I thought um, Saya said investigate. I'm not sure that's the word. And I want clarification on that, please. And also, if it's investigate, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, the situation, reflecting on, reflecting on the state of mind at the time of the situation, the state of mind currently, I'm very confused about what exactly that means. he says, will happen on its own. Mm. Not something you do deliberately, but when there's uh, uh, more stability, as you observe, mm-hmm. uh, more will be learned. Because with the power of, of better sati and samadhi, he says the mind has a, has a, a clearer perspective and a broader perspective. You'll see things that you may not have yeah, been able to before. Um, just to clarify, taking what is the object at that point? <laughs> so at that time, both the feelings? And both the feeling and what the mind is thinking. Not lost in the thought, but recognizing what, what it is. Yeah. Yeah, where the mind isn't so personalizing it anymore, but is able to see the process. Thank you. Uh, very clear, thank you. Um, the other question, um, 
Actually, I have three, but let me just decide here. That's okay. You can ask three. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, when taking the feeling and the thoughts that are arising or in any situation, sometimes the feeling can be quite strong, uh, and there's um, like turbulence, very turbulence, and uh, acceleration of the thoughts, but the, the mindfulness, the awareness is stable. So my inclination in, that, in those moments is to really feel the feeling deeply, not deeply, you feel it fully, because it, it feels like passing through, and um, there's space or peace at the end of it. I'm a little nervous about whether there's um, an intention there, a seduction there to feel the feeling, because I know it's going to feel better after. Is that wise, or is it, you know, yeah. sneaky mind? ตัวเปลี่ยนทางในคันซามุสเลยตัวอะกรีดิเลมียาลาเลยลูกตีเลยแต่แม้แต่ที่สีบุพินเลยลูกคันซามุเลยตัวอะกรีดิเลมียาล
So Shara says, yes, certainly. I mean, there are lots of neutral objects, right? So then clearly it's it's equanimous. And um, then, yes, and there are states of mind which are just neutral. He says, um, of course, there are subjective um, experiences. He says, like, when it's hot weather, the cold feels good. When it's cold weather, heat feels good. But when it's hot weather, it's hot you have more heat, it doesn't feel pleasant. But heat is heat. You know, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant is the value we give it according to our present circumstance. So so some things don't have an inherent value, like heat is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, but we have a feeling about heat, right, um, depending on our circumstance. And um, what we can, you know, come to neutral about it in in certain situations. I think the question, I, I understand neutral, I experience obvious, I experience, yeah. so the question is at some point, everything neutral? That's what I'm asking. Uh-huh. Yes, I have work to do. Okay, so in the past um, two or three days, um, I've been a lot more grounded by um, starting out with the breath or kind of just making an intention, um, let's watch the breath. And then I see what happens from there. And that kind of gives me grounding on what's actually happening. But if I sit down and I say, what's happening, you know, I get lost in space. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> I was wondering... Sometimes if I just give the intention to watch the breath, it happens automatically. It just go along with whatever. Um, you know, I can, it, it'll stay there maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes or something like that. And I was wondering, is, in, in the whole time I'm, one, I'm looking and seeing, am I putting in too much effort? Is there tension forming from trying to do this practice? Or is it just happening? You know, is it, is it I guess... That's a question that you should be answering, I thought. Yeah. So... <laughs> I guess my tension? what's that? Do you feel tension? Uh, when I do, I, I just come back and you know uh, observe. Uh, I'm still observing the, the 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 breath, but then I kind of relax the tension and then I come back and say, "Can I watch this with I guess with equanimity again?" Um, the breath or the tension? The breath. After the after I relax the tension, just kind of mentally. Right. Right. Um, but I was wondering, is this like the proper way to do, like. Anapana, I was wondering if they're the Satipatthana and the Anapana is, is, is really one way and, and not like, like forced and concentrated. Um, I was wondering if it's, it's the same there as is like. No force and concentration in the Anapana Sati Sutta. It's not. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, <laughs> I was just making sure. Okay, great. Yeah. 
I was just making sure they're the same type of method, just mentioned in two different discourses. Yeah, I think the Anapana Sati is inside the Kaya Lupasana part of the Satipatthana Sutta, so okay, it belongs there. Uh, can I ask, when you say you come to the breath and then you know everything else, so you are aware of the breath, that's your ground, but then you are aware of other things yeah, that so come up? Well, I kind of say, what is my reaction to the breath that's happening now? Uh-huh. You know, am I, am I, uh, kind but of is gen- the breath the only thing you know then? Mm. Do you not know anything else? Do, do you um, not even sense anything else? There's other things that come up, but they don't, I don't pay them any mind. Do you acknowledge them? Um, or just yeah, but they're not, in, they're not important. I don't, if they stay there, if they want to stay in the mind, I kind of go, I can go along with it. You know, if it's pain or something like that, I'll go to the pain, you know, observe that, do the same thing I've been doing with the breath. Or if it's a feeling of, um, you know, anxiety you or something. Do you watch the pain? Yeah, I can, I can watch, the, like, see my reaction to the pain. How am I looking at this pain? Okay, so you watch your reaction to the pain. Yeah. As you watch your reaction to the anapana, as you watch how same, you... yeah, same, right. same exact thing. Okay, so or anxiety, or you know. Yeah. So you're able to see both, like how you feel as you're watching something. Yeah, I try to have a little bit of both, and if I get too lost in the, into the object, I come back and say, "What is my reaction to this?" Or am I perceiving this with any too much effort? Okay, something okay. like that. Right. So, so I guess they're they're the same type of uh, technique, same type of thing. It's just. Because I was confused that um, anapana is maybe like forcing yourself to object. stay onto one. It anapana is, is just an object. So it's the object, not the reaction to the. Yeah, the reaction is also an object. Okay. Right. Whatever you yes, observe is, becomes an object. Okay. Yeah. What? What anapana? You in So Sarah says when you're watching the Anapana, he says, and you notice other things, he says, don't sort of neglect them. Don't neglect them. At least recognize that these are known. Even if it's just neutral. Yeah, yeah, it's neutral, but recognize whatever the mind knows, it is known. Okay. Okay. 
So long as you know that more complete picture where it's not just what you're observing but how you're observing. So you're knowing the object that you observe, it might be mine. Um, or your anapana, whatever, and and how you're observing it. Mm. That's in the awareness. Yeah. So okay. that's good. Yeah. Eventually, I'll I'll be able to take in more objects other than just that the one thing. Um, you already I'm are, but you're choosing to ignore them. Oh uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. you already are. It's, yeah. It's more peaceful now. He says peacefulness has nothing to do with whether you know the object or not. In Vipassana, you, you, you know a flow of events as they pass by and you will be peaceful. It's right attitude that makes you peaceful. When you see reality, he says the mind is like so much going through. Even the stuff in the body is so much going through. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He says, if if you think that lots of objects is going to disturb the mind or not be peaceful, then when you see reality, you're going to be in chaos. <laughs> okay. yeah. it's, you know, it's the wrong kind of way to think about it. Yeah? It's like rain. Right? When you watch rain, it's peaceful. There's lots of rain. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Sierra, can I tell you อายุที่เรียนสิถ้าอายุที่อะไรอยู่อยู่ไหนเออแต่เวลาเราเซกูมีเออฟิสิกส์อายุเนี่ยมันอยู่จะมารู้หรอกตัวป่าบีดามอล
uh, he says you can sort of let go of the anapana or the or the kaya nupasana of it. And um, so she asked, does it mean you don't observe it? He says, it's not that you don't observe it, you still know it. But when you know the mind, the mind knows what it knows, so the body is already known. So you don't have to pay attention to it, but it is already being known. So if you truly know the mind, uh, truly know the awareness, um, you will actually know what it knows. So body will be part of it. So, so the, 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 the analogy he gives is that of grapes. Like when you pick up the stem of the grape, all the grapes come along. So that's what it's like when you know the mind properly. Yes, I have several questions. Um, first, I want to talk about my, uh, I guess, observation uh, from my practice. Of mindfulness, I don't practice very much, but I practice as, I guess, as uh, as needed or as often as I can, uh, because I understand that uh, the practice is extremely useful for my situation, my medical situation, and it certainly comes into play. Last night, um, I had a. Uh, a late snack over at the dining hall. And when I finish, roughly about after 9 o'clock, um, I need to walk back to the uh, sleeping quarter. Um, my sister offered me a ride back, but I, I, I love to walk, so I said, I, I, I want to make the walk back. And I feel pretty confident about taking the walk back. But as I leave the dining hall, probably about 30 yards away, I feel experience a different feeling, feeling of, uh, of fear, of anxiety, because of different story about the center. <laughs> also the mom? Yes. The mom, yeah. <laughs> so, and it intensify when I hear dog barking in the background. Mm-hmm. Because dog barking me dog has a very sharp sense of sound and sight. So that means that they, in my thought, they must be seeing something. <laughs> so it intensify. Um, but I continue to walk and hearing. And because when you walk on the gravel, you hear the, crunch, the crunching sound. So I continue to walk. It's at, at, at some point, I said, should I, should I, should I come back? <laughs> you know, or should I continue? But, you know, continue. I, continue. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. Um, and, I, and, and I continue. Um, but I walk faster, and I and I was also thinking, should I run? <laughs> should I run? <laughs> but because of my medical situation, I said maybe I shouldn't run. I shouldn't run. And then I was getting close to the road, to the main road, and I recall the yogi here mentioned, when you cross the road, listen to the sound. Because, and especially at night, you know, people could be speeding. 
So you listen to the sound when you cross the road. So I, um, I waited. You have to wait. So when you wait, it you know it make you become more aware. I guess your 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 scary thought, your anxiety. I wait, but I said no. Let's keep going. Keep going. So I noticed that uh, the heart the heart rate uh, increases, your pace uh, increases, my pace increases, but I continue, continue, and and when you cross the road, you go down. It's actually getting darker, Dark. darker. Right? But you know, walking down for about another few minutes there was a van that's driving people back to the dining hall. So I feel much uh, safer, much safer. I continue and then another van. When I, when I, when I get back to the, to, the, to the sleeping quarter, I stand and I, I look around and I see statue of Buddha. And I said, Buddha is all around. This is a safe place. And then, oh, I, and then I, I, guess, I guess um, my point is just uh, when I go through all this, it it it, it switch between sometimes awareness of of your step, and then it and then check your what it, you what you are thinking, anxiety, the thought, you know, and the different physical. Um, that you go through the heart, the 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 pace. I, I guess I'm just reporting, you know, yeah. of, of, of what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And certainly awareness came, you know, came into all into play and helped to to go back to to uh, to get to, to to get to my destination. But then I also thought, you know, let's say tonight, should I do it again? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm just wondering. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to do it again or not, but I'm just wondering. โหลังกูกะนี่ตุยัดไตสิกะปุยัดเนยสิกะปุพอขึ้นแต่เสร็จตั้วนี่มาเสร็จตั้วเองสิกะตั้วเนี่ยโลกะเนาะไปหนอด
Tara says you should do this often to, to prove to yourself that there's nothing to fear. You'll get over it. So Tara tells this story of um, in, uh, in, in, in Burma, there's a, a forest monastery. A lot of uh, yogis go there. The, the yogis have to, uh, in that center, you have to do things slowly. So the yogis not only have to walk slowly, they also have to walk almost 20 minutes at a normal pace from their kutis to the dining hall for breakfast, lunch, and tea. Um, and at breakfast time, it's dark. So this yogi was walking along, and at some times of the year, it's not filled with yogis, sometimes of the year. And so this yogi was walking along, and he was alone, and in the dark. And as he walked, slowly, <laughs> he heard footsteps following him. And he, was he looked behind, and the footsteps stopped. So he continued, walked some more, and the footsteps started again. He looked back again, and again, the footsteps stopped. So he, he freaked out. He began running through the forest. <laughs> ran through the forest until he saw the lights of the dining hall. Then he stopped, slowed down, started walking again. So he's walking towards the dining hall again, now slowly. He's walking and his heart is, you know, slowing down and then he realizes the footsteps are following him again. But now he's not scared because there are lights and, you know, people can see him. And he's walking and he's feeling calm and he realizes it's his own footsteps. <laughs> so when we are scared, our perception is heavily impaired. We can't think clearly anymore. You know, we, our mind sort of, yeah, thinks one thing and then is really fixated on it. But then when the mind is calmer, it can think more clearly and see things for what they are. Yeah, Seattle says, you know, we've been fed stories about uh, ghosts since we were little, um, we've watched horror movies, and we have some idea about what they're supposed to be like, and we, uh, we have fear, but you know, if you actually saw a ghost, you probably wouldn't even know that you saw a ghost. <laughs> yeah, I would be more afraid of meeting an unfriendly stranger in the woods than to see a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think ghosts are going to be no, doing anything. The monks were having a discussion about the possible ghosts that are around here. And since the ghosts are from a time when they were, you know, wearing uh, army uniforms and, you know, holding bayonets and rifles to fight, he says, probably he was saying that if they see them, the monks, and what they're wearing, they will be like, <laughs> these are ghosts. <laughs> They have never, they've never seen men in bed sheets before. <laughs> so the ghost might be scared of. Don't worry too much. <laughs> yeah. This is um, these uh, couple questions uh, uh, for my son. Um, before I came here, I came here on Tuesday night, 
So, Sierra says, you know, there's, uh, there's two, two things that are happening. One, he says, the mind has uh, wild imaginations about ghosts, like wild, like sort of like random fears about ghosts, right? And the second thing is, the mind believes in these random fears. It believes that that fear might come true. He said, but that's a double whammy. You know? right? If you had all these random thoughts about ghosts in your mind and you didn't really believe it, he said you wouldn't be scared. But it's the belief, the second layer, he said that really gets to, to our, our He says, right now, it's really not real. We've never seen it. It's in our heads, really, most of the time. He says, what are we afraid of? And what we have that's real is just our thoughts. Our thoughts that there might be ghosts. He says, and why are we believing a thought in the head that there might be ghosts? You know, it's, it's just a thing. He says, because we don't understand the nature of the thinking mind. It's just a thinking thought. He says, if we saw something, actually saw something, and we thought, oh, I wonder if that was a ghost, you know, that's maybe, maybe, you know, something to think about. But just a thought in the head, he was like, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, I, I arrived here. So that's why Seattle asks us to, um, you know, acknowledge our thoughts every time we know that the mind is thinking. Because if we acknowledge every time, every time we will get to a point where we keep seeing the thought, you know, looking at it, and then we realize that a thought is just a thought. So we do this exercise of acknowledging thoughts so that we can begin to understand the reality of the nature of thought. So that the thoughts won't overwhelm the mind. So when we think of someone, he says, Seattle says, so we think of someone, there's an image in the head, we think of someone speaking to us, and it may be a memory, right? A memory of somebody who has spoken to us in this way, uh, in a very, you know, maybe the person was angry with us or something, and then, or we are angry with that person, and then we start to feel the same things again. He says, but if we understood that in the present moment, that's all the mind is doing, the mind is creating an image, the mind is thinking this, then it loses some of its sting. And then we don't sort of, you know, associate it with that concept. When we don't understand that what a thought really is, that it's just, you know, something that the mind is creating right now, he says then we are so tortured by our thoughts. Because we believe them to be real. So... Um I asked my son, he's a, he's a teenager, 15 years old, um, before I came here on Wednesday, and I said, if you have a chance to talk to the monk, what would be some of your questions? 
And so these are some that he has. And he said, the first one he said, he, he see that the life of the monk is pretty hard and pretty boring. And that's reality. And so he said, to him, having an attachment is worth it more than not having an attachment. I, I guess I, I he, he said that because I, you know, I, may, maybe having an attachment is suffering. When you when you attach to something. You, you're suffering, but to, to him, having an attachment, even though it's suffering, it's more worth it than not having it. Because it's not boring and it's not hard work. Right, and, and I guess from his point, maybe having an attachment here, he's a, he, he's a teenage boy, so yeah. maybe an attachment here, maybe a teenage girl. Right? Mm-hmm. Or having a game, having a video game. So mm-hmm. having that attachment is, is worth it. Seems more interesting. Seems right? more interesting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right? And, 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 and you know, this is just his first question. And the second one he said is, you know, because I, I keep telling him that uh, mindfulness meditation is really good, mm-hmm. a lot of benefit. Mm-hmm. And he said, why is it so unique about this method mm-hmm. compared to other methods like, let's say, running? He's, he's a cross-country runner. Mm. So, and, or, or taking medication to make yourself happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How is it different? Okay. How is it different? Okay. Because I can't seem, I, I, I guess I can't seem to convince him that meditation, mindfulness meditation, is really good. Yeah. Really it's beneficial. Because it's not a magic pill. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and... Um, I guess the last one is, uh, why do you still need to be nice to a person when that person continues to be mean to you? Because I... I, This is not because of them, because of you. Okay, so let's go through those questions. First one. ပင်မင်ပမလုံလို့ပါတယ်သူတို့ပိုအလုံးများတယ်ပင်မင်ပမလုံလို့ပါတယ်သူတို့ပိုအောက်ကိုကြည့်ရပြင်းစရာကောင
maybe at his age, it's, it's difficult to understand uh, what non-attachment means or represents. Right? They don't have enough information and they haven't experienced it, right? So, I guess if they understand the pain of attachment, and it's not so much detachment, you know, it's, it's non-attachment, right? And when you know the pain of attachment, then there is some merit in non-attachment. And if you actually have non-attachment, then, um, you know, even if you are not a monk, the mind would be freer, right? It would, uh, it would be freer. So that's something that they can't understand yet. For them, um, he says, mostly greed is running the show, right? It's, it's what I want to do, what I, what I want to, uh, like the pleasure I want to get. So, so that, that's sort of the, the, the only type of pleasure that they know still. Second question was about... So, and he said the other thing is that... Um, like, for him, the information is to also know that a monk or a sangha, you know, they're not necessarily enlightened, but they are those who are working towards it. You know, so um, if these beings are not yet unattached, they, they do want to work towards it. So they, they have found value in it, and that's what they're working towards, non-attachment. Um, and, and they found some value in that. That's why they've chosen that life. You know, and, and I, there are people who... So the Sangha includes those who are working towards as well as those who have attained, right? Um, Non-attachment or enlightenment or whatever. And whether it's as a monk or, or otherwise. The second question was about... Which is meditation compared to, let's say, a, a running where... Right. Or, or medication where they provide depression relief or happiness. ไปตรงเลยไปตรงเลยตุ๊ซะตุ๊ซะมีเลยบักควาเลยตุ๊ปี้เลยตุ๊ปี้ออกมาตุ๊ปี้เลยปี้ตะมาโหอัตถุตะ
his example is you. So why should he think that meditation is amazing when you're not behaving like it's an amazing thing to be with, right? right. For you is by the way because of your medical condition. So it's like then you could just take pills, right? That's his thought. He's it's logical, sure. and children are very honest. So he says, what your son doesn't understand that you understand a bit more is that our minds, right? Um, can find a value in something. And when we don't know any better, the only value it finds is pleasure, because it feels good, right? But we can find pleasure in wisdom. It's a different kind of pleasure. It's not the same, it's not sensory pleasure, you call it. And, and you, you take refuge in that wisdom. It gives a, dif a different sense of peace and freedom and well-being, right? It gives a sense of well-being that has more value when you understand it than sensory pleasures. But, but that's, you know, um, well, will depend on you too. So if you have ever benefited from meditation yourself, he says, talk about, share your experience. Don't expect him to meditate. Once in a while when something is truly special for you, you know, share your experience. Yeah. Children don't believe easily because they don't hear your words. They hear, they hear your thoughts, you know? They, they feel what you embody. So it's so important. They see your action. So important, not just your actions, but so important for you to um, be a good example in the sense that it's not that you pretend to be good, that you, you really, truly embody it, that that's your heart, you know? That's what they feel. So, you know, when we live with our family, we're together all the time. If somebody changes, they will notice. Yeah, that's one of the things that he, uh, he wished that when I come back that I'd be more peaceful. Peaceful. <laughs> be more at peace. Yeah, <laughs> yes. God. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, he has a nickname for me, Breathing Dragon. I'm a, I'm a dragon, uh, I guess the, the birth sign. Yeah. So he, he called me a fire breathing dragon. Seattle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, says it's so often that parents tell their children not to be angry. Uh, angry. You know, so the parents uh, exemplify anger and tell the children, don't follow my example. So like I said, you know, children don't hear what you say, they hear what you're thinking, they are feeling. <laughs> and the last question was... The, the last question, which is, uh, why do you... why? Should you be still be nice when people uh -huh. are not being nice? So he already answered that question. So, when somebody is not nice to you, Seattle says, um, you don't need to be nice to the person, but you should not not be nice. You know, so the, the, the difference is, if they are nasty to you, it's you don't be nasty back. You can choose to ignore them or be neutral, but it's, it may not be necessary to be nice. Maybe civil, polite, or, or you know, 
neutral to protect yourself. You don't have to be positively nice if that's not how you feel, right? But Sarah says you have to be nice to yourself. And that is that if you have anger, you should not let the anger stay in your mind because that anger hurts you, right? So that's being nice to yourself. Being nice is for yourself, Sarah says. Yeah. Thank you. Meditation is about maintaining the peacefulness of our own mind, learning how to do that. And he says, to be nasty to someone else, we have to destroy the peace of our mind in order to bring up the aggression to be nasty. So the so what he's saying is it's do not be nasty. It's not that you have to be nice to the other person. Okay, I, I have a question about uh, your daily life. Uh, how to still uh, make a, a good effort for this kind of um, um, mindfulness uh, meditation. So I... <clears throat> I thought that uh, I always uh, forget to be aware uh, yeah. uh, in work, especially. Mm-hmm. When I sit in uh, front of a computer, I forget. You know, uh, so then I uh, write a label, put on my computer display, uh, be continuously mindful. Uh, Does it help? Uh, sometimes if I, my mind is calm down, I see it. Is helpful, mm-hmm. but if I have something hurry to be done, so that time you I see it, <laughs> I cannot follow. Yeah, yeah. So this one thing. Another thing is, uh, so when I think uh, some like uh, negative thinking, some mind comes out. Negative what? Uh, negative thinking. Negative thinking. Yes. So that that time I I, I could be clearly. Uh, aware that I'm thinking, but sometimes uh, if I'm doing some like uh, planning some job, work, or some uh, part of my daytime work, uh, like some do some computer programming, so that time I totally uh, lost in that work, and uh, especially in creating some computer coding. So because that is like. Uh, very intensive thinking. Uh, so I wonder if that's possible still uh, keep mindfulness for this kind of work. Also, my question is uh, if you do like a, uh, even positive thinking, so that time probably 100% my, uh, the, the power of mind is used for that thinking. So for that time, so how can we still keep some, like, uh, some percent to, to be uh, aware of the thinking. Negative thinking, so it's a 
ตัวนี้มันติดอยู่อย่างนี้อะล่ะอะไรสมคืออะล่ะยอยๆเนาะดานิวโทรปิดอะไรอะล่ะคือซีซ่าไม่ใช่ตัวโปรแกรมมันล
we want to learn to think in a, a, a calm and collected way, right? He says, because if we think in an agitated and stressed way, it's it actually not the best way to think of something, right? But that, that's how, what we've built, built ourselves up to, isn't it? He says, so we can find other ways to use mindfulness to, at least we, we recognize tension and we can sort of uh, relax it every now and again while we are having to think so that, you know, that will reduce some of the spinning of the thinking, right? And then he says, programming, right? Programming. Program is quite, program is, programming is quite a logical process where the mind does have to think of all the, you know, all the connections, so it, it takes some concentration. And Sierra says, again, um, you can think, just if, if we are able to settle back and think in a, uh, in a more composed manner, he says, probably it's more helpful um, also, like in the shower maybe, you know, you think better. ดูเรียนบลูทูธเลยครับอันนี้ที่ที่ซอฟท์แคร์ในเรื่องชื่อมาโดมาตัวนี้อีกอีกที่ซอฟท์แคร์ในเรื่องชื่อมาโดมาต
Yeah, so put the brakes on the hurry up because you can still implement without the hurry up. Then you will be less tired. That, that's why he's saying put the brakes on. Yeah. Yeah. He says we, we, we do the, the, the work we do for years, so we are actually very good at doing the work and we can, we can calmly implement it if we want to do it that way, but um, you know, it's the mind's habit to think it needs to hurry or be in a rush. Yeah, but, yeah, the hurry and rushing doesn't make it faster. Hurrying and rushing are just the, the, the greed, the anxiety pushing you. That, that's all. It's just some um, unwholesome beliefs and habits you know, pushing us. And we can put that aside and still get the work done in a better way. Yeah. Okay, so, so that's kind of like a uh, daily, everyday this kind of practice for awareness should be gradually relieved from this kind of hurry, right? So he says you sort of have to plan, start with parts of your day where it's easier to manage your sense of hurry. So remind yourself, okay, I don't need to hurry, but I, I, I will just do it. You, so dare yourself to do it without the sense of hurry. When you see it works, your mind will be willing to do it in in you know in parts of your work where it's much more intense. No, daily, so don't start with the intense stuff. Start with the easier stuff. Daily practice is a lot. Daily practice is low life. No moment in yah. Moment in yah is you do a ati material. Yeah. Ati material. The dia yah yah. Kau kau. I don't mind. Kau kau. Kau kau. Kau kau. And he says, if you also have a daily practice, you know, at home and all that, then it supports that, right? If you have, uh, you know, a daily practice, like, you know, you're mindful when you drive, when you're walking in the toilet and all that. If you have all this other sort of mindfulness practice, then, then it supports your, your willingness to ease off from the hurry and, um, and, and to be mindful. And then, you know, when it gets to the more intense bits, you'll find the mind is more. <laughs> So Sierra says um, when he was, you know, sitting in his shop and, you know, there, there are certain times when it gets very busy, he says sometimes he'll have 10, 15 people all asking for their goods and, and can get really chaotic. Everybody's, there's no queuing in Burma. They just crowd around your shop and all demand attention. So, um, so he says he used to get really... Uh, uh, confused, like confused, and he'll 
you know, randomly, you know, try to deal with everybody. <laughs> Yeah, he's afraid that you know he might that somebody might get impatient and leave the shop, or um, so he's trying to fulfill everything. He makes mistakes. He, you know, he uh, he it takes longer. You know, everything is just much more chaotic and 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 stressful. And then he says, when he, you know, as his practice stepped up and stepped up, at, at one point one day he was like, why, why am I doing this? So he kind of took a moment. He said he took a moment. He didn't move. And then he saw everybody just still, you know, clamoring for their goods. Oh, you know, I want this, I want this. He's like, oh, I'm not saying anything. I'm not doing it. But they're still carrying on. <laughs> they, they, they still do what they do. Then he was like, then when he had that moment, because he dared to stop, you know, then he could look and then he realized, oh, that customer is important. You know, he, he, he wants more stuff. And that one is a regular. So he could then pick out who he <laughs> should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he says then then you know he, he could see who, who was more important to give to and sometimes he said one or two people might lose might leave the shop because he's taking too long or you know in their opinion and, and he said it was okay. It was okay. He learned to do things calmly. He learned to prioritize the people who needed more start. You know, he starts them first because they'll be counting and all happening in the back. And then... And then those who want to buy just one or two things, you know, he deals with them later. And, uh, and he says, and then he finally realized that some people who leave the shop, it's just because they're busy, you know, so they go away to do other stuff while he's busy, then they come back later too, you know, so things have their own sort of um, spins. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Pause, Pause, Pause. He says, hit the pause every now and again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Um, this is my first time I practice um, chitta uh, meditation. I want to know if make sure I understand correctly so I can continue practice at home. Um, like this morning when I when I practice sitting meditation, you know, um, after I sit for a few minutes, I heard the bell ring, you know, and not that one. I think maybe somewhere that, not the same one that you know loud noise. That is like a, I can feel I soft. No uh, sound, so I just listen to that, and first time I open my eye first, and but I, it happened to me yesterday. This exactly eleven or five my team. That is what they build. The first uh, bell is ring, so I open my eye and see the same time, and I close my eye again, and, and the bell is ring again. So I just thinking maybe I can count how many bells. <laughs> so I count. It's about 15. But that sound is like, it's for me peaceful, like it's not too loud. That's why I'm just listening to that. And after uh, I let it stop ringing, after 15 rings, so I start sitting meditation. When I'm sitting meditation, I use rising and falling of the abdomen. Yes, and then I'm having pain, just pain coming up. <laughs> so when I'm having pain, I just now I change it. I just um, watching uh, my action to the pain. 
the first start is okay. <coughs> I just my mind is stable. Mm. Stable. I don't you know. I just keep. Uh, it's not agitating anything. But when the pain increasing, mm. I start to have like uh, anxiety, mm. and um, my chest is like uh, you know faster. So I think oh maybe I can change the object. So I try to change the object to my sensation of my uh, fingers. I cannot feel it. Mm-hmm. Because the agitation is so hard. The anxiety, yeah. So I think oh, maybe I can um, try another object. So, and I, I'm just thinking what object makes I should, um, you know, get. So I, maybe I'm just touching or something, you know, like. I feel touch of this on and I change again. I say, oh maybe I take a deep breath. <laughs> so my attention on that my abdomen is not go away. Mm-hmm. And then um, did you make yourself did you change your position? No, not yet. I just take a deep breath. Okay. Like that. You know, so just I'm thinking so I can change my deep breath. So my attention on abdomen is just okay. So I just uh, keep after that is my anxiety lower a bit. Mm-hmm. After I take the breath, yeah. yes, because you relax. Yeah, and I just tell me I relax and calm down, mm-hmm. you know. And then I just watch the, my reaction, my pain. Mm-hmm. That is a polite way to do that because I want to know you can change object with um, um, many times. What? Now I will show you a card. What do you? So Sarah says, um, you know, so you, you already see something, okay, but your mind kind of, I can't see the, the, what you could learn from it. That when you, when you took a deep breath and you relaxed, right? Yeah. When you relaxed, it became easier to see the reaction of your mind again, right? Whereas when you were just watching the reaction of the mind, you were getting tighter and tighter until you were so tight that even when you tried to watch your, the tips of your fingers, which are always usually obvious, you couldn't even observe it anymore, which means you are too tight, right? So the lesson is to relax. That if you relax, it's easier to observe. You don't have to jump from object to object. It's not that you can't. It's just that you don't need to if you can relax. Okay, so the lesson is to relax when you watch the reaction in the mind. Take a deep breath every now and again. So when you take a deep breath, you can also know that you took the deep breath all the way up, right? 
How many times I can do more than one time? Yeah, you can. No, 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 yeah, you can, you can. Okay, but he says you must understand that the reason you keep trying to look for another object is because you think that if you can look at another object, maybe it will make the pain feel better. That's why you're doing it. But looking at objects does not make pain feel better. It's the mind that can make the pain feel better when the mind is more relaxed. A tight mind feels more pain. A relaxed mind. So, you know, um, so, you know, he says, you know um, that when people have pain, their breath becomes short, right? Their breath be- becomes short because they're afraid. And that makes your chest tight because you're taking short, shallow breaths. And the tightness makes the breath shallow and the shallow breath makes you more tight. So, it's, you know, so it's good that you took that deep breath. So to change that lock, you know, you can take a deep breath. And when you took a long, deep breath, you relax the tension in the chest and relax the tension in the body. And that helps to relax the tension in the pain. Yes. Okay? And then and after that, I go back to... Um, no, you keep watching the keep reaction watching. in the mind. Keep relaxing and watching the tension. If the tension comes to a point, the, the reaction comes to a point where you cannot relax it anymore, change your position. Don't sit in that position anymore. Stretch out your legs or change the way your legs are crossed or something. Okay? Okay, so you always watch the reaction relax as much as you can to the to the point that you can okay sometimes you get to the point you cannot then you make yourself comfortable okay okay thank you no need to force yourself to stay with it either Okay, so this is the final report on the closet of wretched thoughts. Final report. It's no problem. We'll meet. We'll meet the closet again. <laughs> so um, the uh, understanding that um, they had repeatedly come up. <clears throat> Uh, without anger, and they deserved anger, or anger was appropriate. So uh, I just uh, poured this uh, lovely, delicious dessert sauce over the whole closet of anger. Just, it was what was needed, and it just felt right, and it wasn't a strong emotion. It was just knowing that that was appropriate. And the uh, closet has emptied, and I went to uh, wash it out and clean it and sweep it. And I'd always imagined it as sort of a 
quite nice hardwood, well-constructed closet. Well, it turns out it's a rusty container, storage container that's been out in the rain and the snow and is rusted through and was a complete wreck. And so it's now in the uh, in the wreckage yard uh, and it's already been cut up into scrap. So, finished. So... Thank you very much for these 10 days to finish this storage. You know, we like people. I said to him, I said, there's no more cupboard. I said, it's got, it's been thrown away. Maybe it will be, Emma. Yeah. I said, well, if you're lesser to the... ดีบิโรเรามาตูดอดาเลยเต็งทาดอดาเลยเต็งทาละอเมียไอ้เบอร์ตูนอกซุ้มบ่าลงเลยไอ้บิโรพอมาตูโคอะชวยเลยตูล
my um, clue that the awareness is gone completely is sometimes uh, the thought itself, but it's more often that my breath uh, has gotten shallow. So it is up in the chest. Uh, and so I suddenly realize that I'm just doing this shallow breathing. And so I take a deep breath and then, oh, right, that was, I wasn't present. So uh, I'm able to come back to the present. So then finally I wanted to um, reflect back to say it says we do forget to breathe too. We get tense and we hold our breath and we don't realize. I wanted to reflect back about the talking exercise last night. Yeah. Um, so uh, he uh, was instructing us to uh, sit in awareness, and it was an entire room full of people sitting in awareness, so the awareness was quite deep. Um, and I've, I've found for some time now in my life that if I'm... In awareness, I have no need to talk. And in fact, I have no desire to talk. That a lot of talk is about me and mine and my, and that's not present when I'm in full awareness. So I basically have nothing to say. Uh, so he did. He did say yesterday it was not about talking; it was about being mindful. So I was mindful that I didn't want to say anything. So I just, uh, when this exercise happens tonight, what would you like me to say? <laughs> so you didn't say anything last night at all. I tried to say things, but it, none of it felt like I. I was either reflecting back to my partner. Trying to uh, make understanding possible, uh, mutual understanding clearer. But yeah. other than that, yeah. <laughs> ပြောရင်ကအကြောင်းနေပါတယ်ပြမြတယ်တဒီတိချာထားနေတိတ်ပြောငါနေတာမဟုတ်တော့သူကတိတ်ပြောချင်တာမရှိတော့အဲ့တ
Sometimes you can narrate some things and then there can be a pause, like there's nothing to say. And then you might reflect that, I have nothing to say now, or just be silent. Nothing to say. Yeah, so you can't say that. Like sometimes you might have a thought, like I don't know what else to say, and you could say, I just had a thought that I don't know what else to say. <laughs> and you could just be silent. And, you know, just... So communication is not just words. It's the engagement of two people. You look at each other, it's your body language, right? He only asks us not to be unkind, right? Not to say things that are personal, right? And... Um, and to, to stick to the subject of what I know, what I'm feeling directly inside my right? inside this body mind, right? That, that's all. And we can take our time. There is no need to speak, he says, there's only a need to be mindful. And he, you know, the first uh, session, so there are three little blocks, right? The first time we, we do uh, one and a half minutes, we're given one and a half minutes to speak. Then there's two minutes of silence where we are just observing ourselves again after talking and listening. And then then the second time, you he gives us two minutes to speak. And then again, two minutes to then just know ourselves after speaking and listening. And then two minutes again. Yeah. Yeah. So he says when the topic changes or he gives more time, like sometimes he, he gives three minutes and then five minutes and seven minutes, you know, he does that. It, it, yogis can sometimes notice that, you know, the, the longer the time they have to speak, uh, the less mindful they can become. Right? Because we become more eager to speak. Or if the yogi is really mindful, then they find themselves getting more and more, you know, settled as they speak. Right? And then that pause in between where, where you're both not speaking and you're reflecting on yourself is to reflect on this process of trying to be mindful when you speak and what you're learning from it, right? Do you know what it feels like when you speak, what it feels like after you speak? Usually there's some tension after speaking, right? And it settles as we're just watching, and then we start again. So it's, it's supposed to be a process of learning about ourselves as we go through that exercise. So finally, just to thank, <clears throat> thank Sayadaw for coming here and uh, teaching us, uh, elucidating the Buddha's teachings. Thank you so much. So I have a report. And um, as I was sitting in the back doing something out yesterday in the evening interview sessions and uh, open with awareness, I wasn't listening, but I can hear and when Sayadaw, I was doing something else. And I could hear everything that Sayadaw say and react to it. But as I reflected back afterward, the awareness is there. The commit to the memory of the things that he said was not. 
So I don't know if that's something that natural or so you know so he says when we want to remember something Sarah says you know we will remember something if it's of great interest to us right or if we understand it deeply right that will stay in our memory or if we repeat it to ourselves so when we're just being aware we just know what's going on sometimes it cannot be enough to remember something particularly if the mind wants to rem- remember it so if you're you know wanting to remember something you have to kind of repeat it to yourself in your head a few times oh i want to know that see how this this you have to sort of repeat it to yourself deliberately in order to sort of put it in the mind Especially when we're sort of like being mindful very continuously. Sometimes it can become that the mindfulness is so, takes over so much, we're not really thinking about what we're being mindful of. It's just like we're aware, 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 and it's just going past, and then we forget the meaning of what we're paying attention to. Kind of know that things are coming and going and, and the, the meaning isn't really being retained at all. Sometimes that can happen. Okay. So, so if it's something that's important, you have to sort of say to yourself, oh, I need to remember this. And, and you have to repeat it two, three times for the mind to remember. Yeah. So sometimes it can happen that you know you're being mindful and yeah, sure, so sometimes it's not important. Keeping up with And you're not giving yourself time to think about what you're knowing. Yeah. So if you want to remember you have to think about it, repeat it. Thank you, Serena. That's maybe a couple more questions. Okay. Um, and I think this is happening across with all the parents, with young kids here. So the first one is uh, addiction to games and texting. Yeah, it's a bit difficult to address that, Seattle says. This seems to be the age of addiction <laughs> to games and text, yes. He says he got addicted to things too when he was young, just different things. He would play until he would be dizzy. <laughs> like 
table tennis or whatever, you know, whatever he played. Yes, yeah, until he was spinning. So I guess, is there a moment that when you recognize that that's too much and then you yourself dropping it or finding something else to do? Or? He says you have to find many ways to, you know, um, restrict the time, usage, whatever, you know, many ways to try and help. If you, if there is something the child likes better than the addiction, you know, maybe that's the trade-off. If you know the child's weakness for something, maybe you can, I don't know. <laughs> so that's a different addiction then, finding a, a different addiction. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. I, um, He's not explaining, he's just using general words, so it's hard to know what exactly he's talking about. Sometimes replacing a more harmful addiction with a, maybe a less harmful um, interest. <laughs> if possible, if you're able to speak reasonably with the ch child, you know, to to explain the he says, if you have never set rules about the use of devices and all that, and now they're already addicted, he said, that's a tough place to get out of. But if you already have rules in place, if from the very beginning there's an understanding of how much is allowed, you know, and that, you know, privileges are taken away, if you know something's happened, then you know you have much better, um, much better. Yeah. Uh, I just want to share the experience about a game with a kid. Um, what I did in my home with the boys is I support him playing video game. I support all the way. I actually bring water to him to play game. So, for some reason, he stopped playing. <laughs> so, then he started turning to the book. <laughs> so, actually, he, I even actually recommend to buy a, a console to him. I said, why do you like this? It's probably better than the one you have. <laughs> And, uh, and then when he's ready to eat, I say, do you like to eat on the table too? And I'll bring the food over. So you don't have to go to the kitchen. He says, but you know, one child is different from another. You're probably lucky. <laughs> you have a good kid. So eventually, what he did is uh, he become to playing along and along, and then it's become he become feeling lonely, and he said, "Oh, ooh, something is missing." So he turning around, and then he get A and B in classes. So yeah. <laughs> I thought he turned around asking friends to come over. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the rules is uh, I guess it's quite a tradition. You don't have any game any bug. Friend to come overnight and stuff. So are you seeing the other restriction around that? He says there's probably other things at play, like probably your, you know, 
maybe as a father you're a, you're a happy father someone he likes to be with so when he's alone it you know people just want to be happy so if there's not something angry that they're running away from into a game then the game is lonely whereas if they are using it to escape some unhappy thing then that's not going that's not the feeling they're going to get but if there's something happy for them to come back to that's what they that's, want to come back to right i'm looking for some missing like i can observe her, his behavior and i I can observe his behavior and I see what he want. And then what's the other thing he want? Then focus him on one one and let not him touching the other one. So there's different ways to control but you have to know the child right you you know you have to know the child a bit yeah he says in some ways we we use the the greed of the child to learn how to manipulate the child for his own benefit yeah <laughs> yes sir i have two um two issue that is uh, Yeah, but the most important thing is for the adult to be the good example of what to, of what they want the child to be like. So if you want the child not to be grumpy, don't be grumpy. You know, if the, you want the child to be whatever, you know, be the good example. So I have two issues that is um is some questions um for the team. One is um how do they deal with um initial overconfident uh, big ego mm-hmm. feeling like they have everything good looking you know, doing everything well got family have everything Yeah, he said you know you know have a good relationship with the child and just explaining the 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 consequences of behaving in an overconfident manner like you can alienate yourself from other people if you speak in certain ways that it can be seen dif- how it might be perceived by other people just explaining and just so the person knows not saying you have to be something but just saying these are possibilities Our responsibility is just to give them knowledge just to explain so that they have a bigger view so that they can think for themselves if you if we want them to make wise choices he says we cannot control them he says we must teach them to think wisely for themselves and that is just by giving information 
เปียบเปียก็นุ่งนุ่งเปียบเปียก็ knowledge เปียบ information เปียบ give them knowledge information and embody what you speak กูก็ได้เลยกูพูดได้ไดี And then the other end of it is the low self-esteem. Who b e t r a y o u n g k o they get a s i e t e c l Encourage that child. Right? Encourage that child. Um, yeah. Be positive. He says meditation teachers do that too, right? Yogis who are overconfident, you sort of gently have to let them down. <laughs> Yogis who are feeling low, you you have to show them what's positive and beneficial. He says, but yeah, you you learn the skill as you go along too. <coughs> so, though, I want to ask a question to that. Um, how do you, um, I guess, talk to your par- my parent? In fun, when, like for example, you encourage the child, he said, when she's doing good or she's doing, he's doing good, he said, "Oh, good job, keep it going." But as of my tradition, how many years? I got. I think I'm going to say, "Kim, ma, thương con á, thì mình cho đòn, mà ghé con thì cho 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 ngọt chứ, cho rồi á." Thì I try sometimes. I have to argue with my parents. What do you say that in English? Uh, when you love, you yeah, tough, love. tough love, and yeah, tough love. But when you kind of hate, you give you sweet love, right? Is that what cool? we try to explain? My mom, my mom, like say, don't say that to him or her. Don't don't say you love him or or. So I sometimes tend to have an argument with my mom. I say, when he's doing good, say he's doing good. When he's doing bad, say he's doing bad. But There's no need to argue with your mom. Just listen. Just listen. That's all. Yeah. I give up. I, I after a while, I just give up. I say, okay, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. You do what you do. She does what she does. Yeah, it's no point. No point arguing, right? It's not going to make anything different. I just have one question um, to learn about experience from the teacher. He usually a businessman. And uh, now in different situation, so I'm sure want to know about how his parent Abe right now. Every time he thinking about when he a businessman, he deal with a lot of difficult thing. I mean, people and everything. So now, when he sit here now and thinking about that, and what with his parent about his mind. I mean, the, the question is, does he still think about his past? Yeah, in the past. He says for him it's just a memory. Just a memory. Yeah. Because um, 
I'm sure you want to learn something to, to know about the experience. I, I mean, like after meditation, so it can help, you know. That's why I want to learn um, to know about experience from him to to make me if I. <laughs> Sometimes he talks about it to the yogis because there's a, something related to it, and he gives an example. But he doesn't spend time thinking about when he was a lay person. Yeah. yeah. He's he's more in the present moment, and he's not not very concerned with the past very much. Yeah, his mind is quite clear. He says his mind is yeah not very cluttered. When it's necessary, he thinks about things. But the, he says there's very few things that we need to think about usually. Yeah, just when necessary. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is going back to the whole memory thing that a lot of people have been asking about. So, <clears throat> like, I think a few days ago I asked. Um, I feel like I've been aware of certain things like feeling and stuff. Like I open the door and I feel the feeling, but then I was kind of getting insecure. Like, oh no, I'm not remembering what hand I used to open the the door and stuff like that. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Um, And then you guys were just talking about how with memory, sometimes it takes a little bit of energy to actively remember something. So uh, it's kind of like, this week, just only the past two days maybe, but trying to register when I get sleepy or not, like what's happening. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, uh, I was wondering if, so with this, that kind of wisdom, where you, like, okay, so the example that I hear a lot actually is with eating. So sometimes you notice, like, if you eat a lot, you get sleepy after Okay, then then from then on you have this experience, oh, if I eat a lot, then I get sleepy. That's just kind of sort of an intellectual wisdom, right? Like, I mean, in a way, it's like you can predict, you know, I don't know where I'm even going with this. But. Do, do, are you saying, do you actually get sleepy every time after a meal, or do you set yourself up to be sleepy because you've been Well, I was wondering if, so that kind of wisdom is like... Um, you know, you can say, okay, 95% of the time, it seems like if I eat, then I'll get sleepy, so I'm not going to do that. So it's kind of that kind of wisdom. So I'm not going to eat? So I'm not going to eat as much. Okay. It could be other things, like how mindful yeah. you are when you're eating. It's not just one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Never one cause, one effect. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of like a loose kind of wisdom where, like, you don't know exactly... Okay. I don't know. Okay, I'm forgetting. I'm losing track. Okay, this is what I actually wanted to ask. No, I had, I was like before this, I had a lot of thoughts. I was trying to build into a coherent thing. Um, now I'm getting kind of lost. Um, actually, no. This is what I. This is what I actually wanted to ask, though. Okay, so if you want to. Okay, so you know, in our life we have these problems or whatever like sleepiness, for example. And so, if you want to figure out sleepiness, you might try to say like. I guess this would be investigation to some extent. You're like, okay, wh- when am I getting sleepy? And then you ask yourself, 
when you're sleeping next to them, like, oh no, what led up to this event or whatever. But, you know, there's sleepiness, there's a lot of issues you can have in life. I was wondering, so with the whole whatever path in general, are there certain things that we should be trying to commit to memory? Like, you know, you know, wondering whether I open the door with my left or right hand is kind of unimportant. But maybe trying to remember, like, I had this self-image in this moment, in this feeling. Is there an active trying to, like, remember it, remembering that involved? Like, with... Maybe that's not a good example. Okay, maybe that's something. What's an example that matches? Yeah, no, that's what I'm wondering. Like, are there certain things that'll really matter farther in the future that I should be trying to commit to memory now? Because I know my investigation thing that I do sometimes is if I have thoughts, like sometimes I'm I'm not necessarily involved in the content of the thought, but I'm asking myself, okay, how, like, how could this thought be important? Like, if I'm having like an internal conversation with someone. I'm just trying to register in memory better. So I'm like, this is happening now. What else is happening? Like, I'm have. So it's it's more like a checking thing that's happening. It's not like I'm not like telling myself, oh, I'm just thinking right now, or I'm just feeling. It's like I try to get, like register the content more specifically. Like, it's this type of thought. What's the feeling now? Yeah. Like, more checking stuff happening. Yeah. I, I explained this really badly, I'm sorry. ดิเนี่ยปาเลยตัวนี้เนาะดาเนี่ยมันตีเลยอะยีเนาะบ่จีเนาะดาเนี่ยตัวเปียวเลยโหเสียผ่าตะคุกุตะดีอ่ะอย
yesterday, I mean, it's like, you know, when I've had conversations with people and there's reactions going on, I'm not necessarily aware of this objects, but I can put some attention into alert. Like in a situation, there's like a convers- yeah, conversation with someone, there's reactions, there's you're seeing, looking. I can, I can be putting some attention on my feet. Yeah. But I guess it's like selecting which objects are important. So yeah. yesterday I was going back, the objects I selected was not my, the feeling of my feet during talking. Yeah. It was more like my reaction. So then later on I could kind of, through memory, I don't know, I guess it's, yeah, this goes back to exploring memories, but like I could kind of have a sequence of events I could go through and I could remember what, like the image of the situation, the reaction, like that kind of thing. Just wondering if that is it. Does that just mat, not matter at all? It's just just always awareness, or is that memory of memory of reactions important at some point? Or? You know it. Yeah. Don't you know yeah. Don't don't, don't fight you know with it. Don't wonder about yeah. what what is going to happen. You you will learn about it. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, let yourself learn about it. Don't, don't sort of... Don't, don't be like... Don't be looking ahead too much about You know? If you forget things now and later find out that, you know, I think I wanted to know that, then next time remember to... Your experience will teach you. He says, you're, you're aware enough. That, that's all you need. Right? Just, just keep doing that. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.